Hey, welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly gathering of automotive freaks welcome and geeks. Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your whole car talk radio. Who's news? Who's the greatest news? Uh, I am your host, the biggest Brett Hatfield, here with our humble and engineer and co-host, cool Mr. Cashier Grove. Your host of Freelance and Auto Journalist, Corey Senior Auction Analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran. Book publisher and, uh, and vehicular village idiot the rain, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rest on the conversation. Yeah. Time yeah. for the Driven Radio Show. Well it's going to be like a sauna. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind uh, yes. of be moist. Uh, hey, if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. If you want, if there's something you want to hear more of, tell us. Uh, and while you're at it, send us pictures and the story about your cars. Let us see your projects, your cruisers, your show cars, racers, whatever you got in the garage. If your story's really cool or interesting, maybe we'll put that sucker up on readthedriven.com. We'll think it's really cool or interesting, but it's like those extra special ones that it's like, oh, wait a minute. I want to share that with the world. Well, every now and then you'll get somebody who has a cool car, but it's got such an outstanding story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that you just got to share it. You got to tell it. Oh, absolutely. About it. Yeah, definitely. All righty. So, what have we done this weekend, cars, Mister Corey? Well, uh, I went to a car show. What? Huh? What? Somebody what? had one. Since when did those exist? And you didn't have to show up in a full bunny suit? <laughs> uh, no. And some people wore masks. Well, that's going to be the new thing. Actually, I, I'll be honest. It was a, it was a, it was a pretty good show up. It's actually one of the events that I do. Uh, that I am actually a sponsored person for that. Cool. Craving cars is, nice. and and the the show up was was quite well. But here was the cool story that happened during that time. So these guys showed up with the '66 Mustang. Okay, okay. It's like kind of a. Uh, it was either a really dark silver or a lighter gray. However you want to read that. Um, but it was it was really done, and I was talking to the guys and. And they said, yeah, yeah, we just basically, the car got buttoned up. And he goes, it's actually, it's, it's a buddy of ours. I'm like, oh, so it's not your car. He goes, no, he asked us to bring it up. And then so we can kind of get it cleaned up and, and, and shiny and stuff. He goes, he's coming out here with his dad. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. He says, no, he's, he's given it to his dad at the show oh, on his dude, birthday. That's cool. That's cool. So Wicked. they don't know. The dad's like, hey, how do I get him out here? He's like, well, dad, hey, let's go on and go do this. Hey, yeah, I heard there was a car show. So Just he's going to take him over to the car show. Tell me you got to film it. I, I did get a little bit of it. I, I wish I could have got even. I wish I knew it was happening a little bit sooner because I would have done a whole full story on this whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah. But I did it. Uh, I'm basically I was able to capture some of it. It will be part of there, and I mentioned that for the the show I went to. That this is the kind of stuff that car shows are made of. Yes, yeah. and it's the kind of stuff that we would like to have on our website. If you got a story like that, please send it to us. Very very cool, Mister Groves. I have done deadly, <laughs> deadly. Okay, next. Radio no. <laughs> has eaten my life. Work is insane. Oh, Salespeople yeah. are oh. last minute, and I love every one of these. Oh my God! So yeah, I've been a. Did you look at a preoccupied? Car? No, I didn't. I I haven't. I haven't even been slumming on Facebook's marketplace. Oh, it boy. has been that bad that I have just been you know to the wall and uh, uh, and any time that I have left, I try to decompress. So, but uh, hopefully soon and July fourth. Uh, so this show will probably land July fourth. Yeah. Um, that morning is supposed to be, uh, isn't it? Uh, cars and coffee, although without coffee or donuts or anything. Oh, at the museum. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, I that may be accurate. I'll have to double so, check, yeah. but I think we've got July 4th yep. at Kansas City Auto Museum. I believe you are absolutely and, correct. Uh, it, doggone it, I missed all the June stuff because it was Impala Month, and I'm overqualified to participate <laughs> yeah. in Impala Month. But I, 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 want you I there. definitely <laughs> want to say, because of when this is going to launch, happy Do Not Blow Your Fingers Off Your Hands Day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy 4th of July to everybody. Celebrate our independence. Absolutely. And, and stay the hell out of downtown Seattle. <laughs> Uh, car stuff. Last week, I got to review for the magazine 15 cars on Bring a Trailer. Ooh, and okay. there was no rhyme okay. or reason shy of, I really like it. This is cool. I love those. <laughs> and that was fun. And you really need any other I, reason? Like I told you last night on uh, Road Muscle Radio when we were discussing this stuff, I downgraded and upgraded simultaneously the story or the stereo in the. Harley truck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you downgraded uh, and upgraded and Here, upgraded. Here's how this works. This is interesting. <laughs> it's like this truck originally came with a factory CD player. Sure. And it was one of the six disc. You stick, you know, you just keep feeding them in there. And it, yeah, eats and it. it just kind of well, sometime during the uh, the life of the former owner's tenure, uh, <laughs> that thing decided that it would no longer let you load any CDs in it and it would try to endlessly load a phantom cd that was in there <laughs> your your dad had this before you right yeah it, you know any cd player can only handle so much tom jones he's gonna take great offense at that he listens to lots of bob Seger. I, I was about to say did you find an old john denver disc in there somewhere no no my old man wouldn't listen to john denver but he really likes bob Seger a lot anyway cool. yeah uh you can get those little uh cassette adapter things that plug into a stereo and will uh, take the the signal via Bluetooth from your phone. Yeah. Then you can listen yeah. to all your music and all, all the podcasts and everything. I went ahead and swapped the CD player for a cassette player so I could put in the adapter. <laughs> it was a cheap fix until I build the stereo I want for that truck, right. which is going to take a lot more. And now I can listen to so, ACDC. So now you went from a six-disc CD crap. changer to a tape deck. Yeah, but a tape... <laughs> A tape deck that now There's has... There's the downgrade, folks. If you don't know what a tape deck is, that is something that old people used to listen to. Yeah, no kidding. But now it has access to the 24,000 songs I've got on my phone. Uh, and just for like all you new millennials, you know what Bluetooth is. Yes. So there's your upgrade. So there you go. That was the big <laughs> the big upgrade. But okay, you can't okay. believe how excited I was to put a tape deck in my truck. <laughs> this week we've got news about Bring a Trailer finding new ownership, about how Ford is putting Godzilla in a crate, Sad news for the Woodward Dream Cruise and Jaguar reissuing a classic engine block. Our guest this week is friend of the show, Seth Burgett. He's the owner of Gateway Bronco. Seth will be here to tell us about a cool new truck that Gateway is going to debut at SEMA this year. And a little later, we'll be talking with our special guest, Fred Ashmore, the new Cannonball Run record holder, who will be here to tell us about setting the record all by himself and doing it on a shoestring budget. Either of you guys seen what the time was? Uh, I did actually. It's Look, staggering. No, if no heard, one else has, we'll, you we'll, heard about we'll, this, uh, Mark? No. We'll make people stay tuned in order to uh, a little over twenty eight hundred miles. Yeah, twenty five hours and fifty five minutes. Wow. He was averaging. He said uh, close to a buck ten. <laughs> and 
He's by himself. Oh my God! So many Gatorade L- bottles. A lot of other <laughs> that, that and some uh, case of Ex- Red Bull. Exactly. He absolutely said Gatorade bottles. So uh, a lot of lot of other details around that one. Going to be fun to talk to Fred. Absolutely. Hey, media conglomerate Hearst Autos has bought Bring a Trailer. Oh my God. Bring a Trailer was... Was it like the only thing they didn't own yet or what? Yeah, probably so. Bring a Trailer is a really, really cool website and something I look at every single morning. I'm not kidding. It's Bring a Trailer Morning Coffee. Uh, Bring a Trailer curates classic collector and enthusiast vehicles submitted by its audience for auction. The BAT community vets each vehicle, giving confidence to potential buyers. And they've got 415,000 users. Jamie. And I think they said 175,000 bidders. Woo. <laughs> that's a hell of an audience. That's, that's an amazing auction. Well, that's a it's, hell of an it's audience. It's been doing pretty good. They huh. say for now, no personnel changes are planned, and operations will continue from the San Francisco, California headquarters. The plan is to use Hearst's resources to expand and support what Bring a Trailer offers through new products, features, and technology. There is the potential... For new content for the site that would include editorial content and insights and sponsorship opportunities by collaborating with the automotive brands in the Hearst portfolio. Now, is this the Hearst newspaper group? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's their automotive division. Yeah. Car and driver. They're big track, enough. They've got guys. divisions for different things. Yeah. I really, really honestly hope they leave it alone. Big corporations yeah, aren't absolutely. known for that. No. They don't usually do that kind of thing, but Bring a Trailer is a unicorn in the collector car world. It really world. is. And, and it I works the way it is without it meddling with yeah. it, correct? It is fantastic the way it is. Please, Hearst, please. Yeah. If anybody who's associated with Hearst <laughs> listens to the show. We're three guys begging. Please, we're All begging you. Listeners. It, <laughs> leave Randy Nonnenberg and his group at Bring a Trailer alone. They figured out how to do this without anybody's input, and they're really, really freaking good at it. So, yep. Well, muscle cars and trucks... Has been talking about Godzilla. Godzilla! <laughs> oh, Godzilla! Godzilla! Well, not, oh, all, not the Japanese, not the Japanese Godzilla. Uh, the Ford Godzilla V8 is now available as a crate engine. Guess, I wonder uh, if that would fit in the front of an F-150. probably more excited than it need to be. Well, cool thing is, is if you guys don't know what the Godzilla is, that is a 7.3 liter V8 pushrod V8 from Ford. Okay, which they haven't done a pushrod in a while now. But and that, that's a big and, and this is this has engine. got some leaders to it. So I stock on on the cray part. It's 430 horsepower with 475 foot pounds of torque. And I've actually was was kind of reading a little bit further about this, and a lot of people are getting over 600 horsepower naturally aspirated by meddling with a little bit of things. Just here a little bit of tuning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, so along with the engine, um, you basically when you order by the crate, you're going to get the. It's include the intakes, the throttle body, left and right exhaust manifolds, the production <sighs> oil pan and cooler, ignition coils, wires, and That's a warranty. A How about that? Huh? That's, That's a, a lot, lot of stuff. How much? That is, you know what? There's more money than I have in my pocket right now. But it's eight thousand one hundred and fifty dollars for a seven point three liter V eight. You know, for some of the engines, That's new. That you, you could buy complete with all that stuff. That's not the that worst. That seems price reasonable. That's really not that bad at all. And uh, the cool thing is, is uh, it's possible to get it with a Whipple twin screw supercharger. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Whipple, that'll bring it up to like seven hundred horses. <laughs> yeah, seven hundred tokens. He says you you've been squeezing this just fine. <laughs> So 
you into that uh, that Ford power on the big block, and I and I'm reaching out to those guys like to rest them on those old Fords and put Chevy engines in them. Oh, well, man. get this, seven, put this in it. Seven hundred yeah. horse and seven hundred pound feet of torque. That's just tire boiling out of an engine that goes. Blub, 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 blub. <laughs> that would make me happy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that would. In Hemmings, uh, the organizers for the 2020 Woodward Dream Cruise have canceled it. Damn it. Yeah. Another one bites the dust. Oh, God. The Woodward Dream Cruise Board of Directors decided this week to cancel the event altogether after the nine cities along its route uh, asked for an official declaration. See, about a month ago, the nine cities uh, that yeah. uh, along Woodward Avenue uh, passed resolutions to cancel the car shows. Anybody but me think that they thought they could get the car show or the cruise canceled just by canceling all the fun crap that went on around it? I, I really thought the cruise yeah. was going to continue. Yeah, you know, they got rid of the live entertainment, all the other activities. Well, then community meet leaders met Monday during a Zoom meeting to vote to cancel their legs of the event, like, period. In response, the event's board of directors voted for cancellation. And uh, it, it, they're they're just not not going to do it. You're not going to be able to go through the towns. The towns don't even want them coming there. Well, period. There, it, there are a couple bright spots in this. Well, if you look at it, the estimates for the people who usually show up for the Woodward Dream Cruise uh, it varies, but it varies from one to two million with participants. <laughs> it's, that's a hell of a car show. You know what I'm that's saying? A hell of a variance. <laughs> you know, you think about it. Probably the biggest crowd you've ever seen in one place at one time is like and, after a game at Arrowhead yeah. when there's 70 or 80,000 oh, people yeah. and they're trying to get out of that parking lot and it looks like the biggest throng of people ever. <laughs> I think 15 times that. Well, my biggest would be the Indy 500 where there's you know nearly Indy half a million, but that million. is ridiculously packed. And that's not even, that, that's less than half of what this is. Unreal. So I can't now, imagine. Some longtime fans of the event still intend to make the Ferndale to Pontiac loop. Yes. No matter what. So yep. watch me yep. roll. Stop me. Well, aren't you in your own car with your own social distancing? You should be good, right? Sure. And also interesting, the state's Department of Transportation confirmed uh, to the Dream Cruises board that Woodward Avenue cannot be shut down for any reason because it's a state highway. You oh, damn nice. skippy. We're cruising whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just try it. You know. I, uh, I I find that kind of amusing. So cruise yeah. organizers remain optimistic for 2021, saying they'll have an event. No matter what. I'll bet you anything you want to bet they have an event this year, even though they don't want the sucker. Rob Report is talking about the Jaguar Classic is bringing back one of its most popular engine blocks. This is so cool. And I think this is very cool because one of my this actually includes one of my favorite Jags. So the 3.8 liter XK engine block is available new for the first time in more than 50 years. There's restorers out there that got to be going nuts. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, and then what? And and basically the Jag, basically the Jaguar's E-Type series, which the E-Type is my favorite Jag, uh, fitted with the 3.8 liter engine, remains the most popular of all Jags. I guess I'm a popular kind of guy. I guess um, original 3.8 cast iron engine blocks have been unavailable new for more than 50 years, but now with these Jaguar classic parts, they're making them available once again. How awesome is that? Just cool. So okay, so with some of the um, specifications uh and they're basically direct replacements for the 3.8 liter xk engine so it's going to be fitted to the xk 150 xk 150s uh the mk the mark 9 the mark 9 mark 2 mark 10 10 and the series 1 e type which we just mentioned and the s type models so you're not quite a bit actually you're not alone in being a fan of those series 1 jags that's that was the one that enzo ferrari said was the most beautiful car ever made this is yes this is true 
Uh, Jaguar Classics will allow customers to uh, basically furnish documentation confirming proof of vehicle ownership and opportunity to retain the serial number from their original engine block. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But it will, however, um, have a casting showing that it is a replica. Not It's you know, going to have an asterisk after yeah. the number. If you don't want that, obviously, you can get the new block stamp with a new and unique serial number if you like that instead. Mm-hmm. What do you think well, a, a new 3.8 liter Jaguar XK engine block might be uh, priced at? You would think that they would put a premium on it, but when I saw the price on this, it kind of took my <laughs> breath away. $17,914. Wait, is that just for the block? That's hey, the block. No, so we're that's not, for we're a not... block and a 12-month warranty. <laughs> there you go. Oh, with, you, Walmart with yeah. a certificate of authenticity. Value added, bitch. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So you know, oil pan, none of the other stuff. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Block. Ford, get that damn thing, and, and jam it in there. You can get two Done. of them. You can get two. You can get two. <laughs> you can get two. Well, I wonder if you can. And find you'll have actual... some money left over. So, what do you think an original one will cost? That's in good shape. That's not oh, one of these. Gotta, I don't even want it. It's got to be a fortune. I don't want to know. So, you know, I this could was, be bargain for eighteen grand. Then I thought it was masochistic enough. Me working on an old Mercedes. So that's. <laughs> I, I won't even try to att- attempt a Jag with Lucas Electrus, Electrics, the Prince of Darkness. Uh, take. <laughs> No. (laughs) Well, if you are one that wants to say yes, it is available. No. Check out the links. Thank God I'm not into Jags. (laughs) Coming up next is... (laughs) Yeah, coming up next, we've got friend of the show, Seth Burgett. He is the owner of Gateway Bronco, who will be here to talk about Gateway's new classic F-Series trucks, the Bronco EV, and all sorts of other cool stuff going on over at at Gateway. All this and much more coming up on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. Our special guest this week is Seth Burgett. He's uh, well, he's he's a friend of the show. We've had him on a bunch of times. He's the owner of Bron- uh, Gateway Bronco. He's a seasoned entrepreneur, prolific inventor with over 40 patents, a frequent speaker at Washington University's Olin School of Business, and Seth is also a competitive endurance barefoot water skier. That's a you nice one to throw in there. You don't hear that often. <laughs> no. Yeah, you have to have some tough feet to do that. Uh, he's an Ironman triathlete and currently working to become a licensed vintage race car driver. Seth, welcome back to Driven Radio. Thank you so much, Brett. Uh, for the uninitiated, for those who haven't been with us for the previous interviews, uh, Gateway Bar- Bronco builds some amazing first-generation Ford Broncos. Uh, they take an old vehicle, make it better than new with modern mechanicals while retaining its original character. Uh, Gateway even builds all-electric Broncos. Their quality is second to none. I've seen it up close. I've been in their cars. I really, really want one. <laughs> but now Gateway is branching out and building classic F-Series pickups. Uh, they recently announced that they'll be reveal, uh, debuting their first pickup at SEMA this year. It's a 69 Ford F-250 crew cab four-wheel drive. Uh, it's going to have a 5-liter Coyote V8 and a 10-speed automatic Ooh. transmission. Uh, for the power-hungry, though, Gateway will also be offering... Ford's new 7.3 liter uh, Godzilla V8, that car that we or that engine we talked about in the 
for a segment. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see that. It'll have push button four wheel drive, uh, or the their new one will have push button four wheel drive, custom chassis, four link rear suspension, active exhaust, American bison hide seats, a barnwood bed, Eaton E locker front diff, and a Detroit True Track rear. Oh man! And as if that seven three wasn't good enough. You'll be able to get that thing with either twin turbos or a supercharger <laughs> making over 700 horsepower. Love it. Oh, God, I love you, Seth. Thank you so much for being back, bud. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, Brett. Enjoy it, it every time. It, it's been a little while. I think the last time we bumped into each other was Vegas back in uh, October last year. How you been doing? Hey, we've been doing well. Yeah, we've, uh, we've managed through this. We're going to miss... Um Monterey this year. I remember we were at Monterey together, and we we looked over the Blaney Bronco before it went to auction, and that was um, uh, and that was great seeing you there. And you know, I think um, we'll be doing as well as you can in this kind of environment. That Blaney Bronco was incredible and knocked down a hell of a number when it went to sale. It, it did, and you know the um, <clears throat> the crazy thing is, we talked to the uh, to the other bidder. And he said, uh, you know, I was still going, and they shut me down. So it, oh. it could have gone higher. Uh, <laughs> he um, he was ready to make a big uh, big donation to the Alzheimer's Association and uh, and get a free Bronco in the in the uh, uh, as a secondhand part of that. And um, yeah, we may build a Bronco for him. But I think you know the key thing is we made a great great uh, contribution to the Alzheimer's Association, and, and awareness was a big part of that. And that Blaney uh, truck raised, wasn't it $650,000? Yes, it was, Brad. $650,000, all of that went directly to the Alzheimer's Association. That's staggering. I love it. So it looks like you've got a really cool new concept in the works. What possessed you to apply the gateway formula to classic Ford F-Series trucks? Well, number one is passion. Um, it is one of my favorite vehicles on the planet. Um, you know, I love but I also really enjoy that that um, uh, bump side truck, as it's affectionately known. And um, you know, my grandfather had one; it was a '69. And uh, I remember sitting in it before I could, you know, way before I could drive, and had a three on the tree, and just you know, sitting in that thing, and uh, just brings back great memories. And and always loved the truck. <laughs> Popularity is there, uh, you know, over forty percent growth over the past uh, several years. And so our client, um, who owns the Bronco, uh, very often also really enjoys those trucks. And so it's a nice crossover. Um, we were able to achieve the license with Ford Motor Company, and it seemed like a great extension of what we're already doing. They are cool, but aren't those kind of tough to find? Yeah, they are tough to find. There's no doubt about that. As we, <laughs> we've described many times, we're barn find specialists, and we... Uh, we generally find uh, these vehicles anywhere we can. We found a, an original paint, one owner, Bronco, and next to it was an F-Series truck. And so we, we bought them both. Well, both of them original paint. And, uh, you know, it, um, it's what we do. We enjoy it. Um, we drove the, uh, uh, the F-Series truck back from Colorado. So it was a remote Colorado area and, and ended up driving into the mountains, camping in the mountains, and then driving home with it. So... Oh. Uh, we enjoy the adventure. That's too cool. It so really is. Super fun. Um, so with this new F-Series, uh, who's your target customer? Is this the same customer you, you have for the Broncos? Uh, it is. It, it very much is. The same customer. 
you know, many times they'll, they'll have a vacation home property. Uh, many times they have the same need, which the Bronco satisfies, which is enabling people to have uh, their family with them in their sunny day driver. Uh, so instead of a Ferrari or Lamborghini, which holds one other passenger, uh, this can hold a family of passengers with a crew cab truck in particular. And it's the same use case, uh, the same customer, and um, we, we certainly uh, know what their expectations are in terms of building a vehicle and having the reliability and the three to five year warranty, et cetera. So uh, very much the same client. Now, these trucks are really hot right now, and they're selling well. Do you think you're going to have as much popularity with them as you have with the Broncos? Well, you know, Bronco is special. Uh, there's no doubt. The Bronco is really special. And to say that the, the F-Series trucks will be as popular as the Bronco isn't, isn't realistic. There are very few people who have a garage big enough to store a crew cab, uh, long bed, four-wheel drive. So it's, it's uh, just not practical for for as many people to uh, to enjoy the truck. Uh, but look at the overall marketplace. Who would have known, you know, 10 or 15 years ago that the F-Series truck, the F-150, would be more popular than a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a car from Ford. And so, uh, you know, the cars um, going away from Ford and the trucks becoming the number one vehicle uh, of any vehicle sold is just a phenomenon. So people are adopting the pickups and uh, we expect them to be a strong segment of our market, but Bronco's clearly the number one. You know, you've got a wide range of options available with those Broncos, including uh, recently coming out with an EV. Uh, why do an electric Bronco? You know, the market demand is there. Uh, you know, we have our clients that um, they will own a Tesla and a Bronco, gas-powered Bronco, and so uh, they, they routinely ask us, you know, if you had an electric Bronco, I would consider it. And so we heard that enough times that we, um, we said, okay, uh, this is a market that um, enjoys the, the vintage vibe, the essence of the original vehicle, but they would like to have something that's uh, a smaller carbon footprint. And the use case of the vehicles is such that they're not driving them, you know, 500 miles at a time. They're driving them many times just around town. And, and if they do drive them any distance, you know, a 200-mile range is plenty for them to be able to do what they want to do. Is that what the range is, 200 miles? Yeah, we're, we're going to be in excess of 200 miles, and, um, you know, we, um, we we quote 200, but we're, we're well in excess of that. And it, it seems to fully satisfy our, our customers' needs, and that, um, you know, we have more and more requests. It's a global request. It's not just here in the U.S. Not being familiar with electric cars, I'm... I, I don't know if this is a dumb question or not, but are the charging plugs universal? Is there a standard for them? Uh, charging ports are not universal, but um, we have a we have a method that uh, is very straightforward and, and as universal as it can become. My Tesla has a special software association that uh, doesn't allow you to just plug into any Tesla port, but uh, uh, we have a, the most universal approach uh, available. So, are there? Can you get all the same options on the EV? Uh, obviously, aside from the drivetrain. Uh, yes, and even the drivetrain, uh, we have available full time our full four wheel drive with the e locker from Eden. Right, a great partner of ours, a sponsor of ours, and 
you can have on-demand push-button, uh, you know, locking of the front differential. Uh, they all come with the Eaton Detroit True Track rear differential, uh, Atlas transfer cases, and so all of that is is very possible and, and just a part of our build. Uh, in terms of overall options, you can get heated and cooled seats. The very first unit uh, literally has uh, heated and cooled seats. Uh, the other options, uh, you can have heated and cooled cup holders. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) this is a fur piece from grandpa's ride Uh let me tell you now (laughs) so it's everything you can imagine in a in a uh, bronco uh the the petrol powered is is available in the uh the ev oh very cool now uh curious how many uh how many gateway broncos have gone out the door and what's the breakdown between gas and ev uh, yeah, great question. So about 123 orders in total since the beginning of the company. Wow, and that's so cool. far, yeah, yeah. So we've um, you know we've had a, a great flow of uh, uh, of business, and and even during this um, this kind of down economy, uh, we're able to bring on uh, about four orders a month. And so our quota is four orders a month, and we've maintained real close to that through the period. And in this past month of June, uh, nailed four um, uh, four orders in the month, and we had the very first day of June, uh, our first order for June, or I'm sorry for July. So we're you know, we're doing well on that. And 123 orders, we've got uh, two confirmed, and many uh, on the sidelines, uh, real close to coming across the line on the uh, EV side of that. Well, I, I know the kind of power that you're you're doing with the with the petrol powered ones and the Coyote and, and the Godzilla engine and stuff. But what kind of power output are you getting out of the EVs? Yeah, very similar. Yeah, so very similar. Really, so it will feel cool. Uh, yes, it, it feels very similar to about a 400 horse uh, uh, petrol uh, powered vehicle. And so, um, you know, the, the Coyote is more power than needed for most people, uh, unless you want a supercharger like the Blaney vehicle. Uh, but they're you know, the the, the 400 horse uh, naturally aspirated um, uh, powertrain in a Bronco is is kind of the perfect uh, perfect power range, and so that's what we've done with the EV as well. We've been speaking to Seth Burgett, uh, owner and visionary at Gateway Bronco, about the new Reimagine F series and the really super cool Broncos they make. You can find all the links for Seth and Gateway Bronco on readthedriven.com. Seth, thanks so much for being with us again. I really appreciate it. No, you're very welcome, Brad. Thanks so much for having us. And I look forward to seeing that that new F-Series of SEMA. Oh, I want one of those. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, the TZ renderings at Motor Trend are sexy. <laughs> God, that looks good. Went up on the cork board in the office, so yes. <laughs> Seth, thanks again. You're welcome. Have a great day, guys. You too. Coming up, we have Fred Ashmore, the newest Cannonball Run record holder. Fred will be with us here. Will be here with us to talk about his new record and what makes it so significant. All this and lots more is coming up on Driven Radio.
Welcome back to Driven Radio, the sweetest tasting podcast on the web. Fred Ashmore is a Maine native whose interest in cars started at a very young age. He's a lifetime car collector, builder, and shop owner of Ashmore's Automotive Repair, the family business located in Hancock, Maine. After graduating WyoTech with honors in 1996, Fred worked as a technician for Ford Motor Company. He spent most of his off time racing stock cars and drag cars successfully at small tracks around the U.S., and then transcontinental racing became an obsession for Fred in 2015. Since then, he set several world records and recently set the record for fastest time coast-to-coast, clocking in at a staggering 25 hours and 55 <laughs> minutes. Wow. God, can you believe that? That's sweet. Gee, many. Fred, welcome to Driven Radio. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, hey, first things first, congrats on the new record. That's absolutely amazing um when did you do the run how long ago was it it, it was a couple months ago um back uh, i was actually started planning this that way back in march um i'd been talking about it and talked it over with some friends over the, the last year or so and um what really kind of triggered it was the the audi time that was set back in the beginning of april so uh not too long after that we put a car together and uh decided uh we'd give it a shot ourselves 25.55 man that's fast that is unbelievably fast uh were you surprised when you finished well initially our our target time was really like a 25.30 but as happens with these these runs and stuff you know things start get you know going south no pun intended as a couple things started happening and you know the time started going away and i had to make up things on my end uh, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say I'm terribly overly surprised, but I was happy I broke the 26 barrier because, you know, at that point, as you can see, you know, I'm shooting for you know 25, 30, and and I just barely broke the 26 mark. So I, I was, I was, I was happy, surprised, not surprised, and you're ready to go home and get some rest. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. sure. Uh, this may be kind of a silly question. Do you think you could have gone any faster? Oh, yeah. You, you always think about those things. I, I've had this conversation a lot with my buddy Doug, Doug Cabot. Uh, you guys probably know him. And uh, we, we always talk about, you know, the ifs and supposes, whether, you know, we're racing in an event or racing or just running transcontinentally across the U.S. We, we talk over our mistakes we made and where we could have made up time. But when you really look at the whole picture, you, you think about how well things went and how they could have gone a lot worse. And you really kind of resort back to the middle and kind of settle, you know, with what you got out of it. Because there is no perfect scenario. There's always time left on the table. There's always ifs and supposes. But in the end, you really just have what you have. So you're looking for that 30 mark and you hit the 55. You still did this amazing thing. So I'm very, very curious. Mark here, by the way, uh, that 25 minutes that you thought you weren't going to have, what was it that made that happen? Uh, I got paced pretty hard by an officer in between St. Louis and Tulsa. (laughs) (laughs) And there it is. Uh, Amen. Amen. We we had a couple truckers which were were doing what we call dating each other in the left and right lane. And uh, if they know you're coming, you know, sometimes they'll just just sit there and hang out. And and this one run was a little bit different. I, I had plans, and I didn't let them hold me up too long. Probably the biggest thing that really held me up was the uh, the, ag, the ag stop in California. And many people have oh, messaged and, yeah. and said, oh, well, you should have done this, and you should have done that. And, 
you know, in realistics, it's kind of the agricultural stop in California usually isn't this much of a stop for people. And on top of that, it's kind of like, it's like significant to the run. If you take that route, it's kind of like the St. Louis Arch or, you know, things that you plan on coming to. It's just this one, for whatever reason, you know, held me up this time. So that was a, a big chunk of the time. Uh, we had made a blistering speed to uh, St. Louis. And honestly, you know, we, we talk about this a lot amongst us, that really what you make is on the front end of this run. And when you get halfway, you're not coasting downhill, but things seem to start tapering off. That's when you, you usually, if you haven't made your time by halfway, you're really not going to make it up on the other end because there's just so many, you know, unknown factors on the, the western half of the country. See, and that seems kind of counterintuitive. You would think that the western half of the country, where you have larger gaps where there just aren't as many people, you would be able to make up better time. Uh, yes, you would think that, and, and that's a lot of thinking that's actually, you know, counteractive. It, it really doesn't work that way. You also have to remember you've already been up, you know, in this case, you know, 12, 13 hours. So huh. you're, yeah, you're sure. at the, the opposite side of your, your attention span and, and everything on the other end. So the major adrenaline maybe you had or the, the psych up or build up you have when you, you start across the country, you know, it's kind of wore off. So you're, you're relying on, you know, other things to, to keep you on point. And, and that was, you know, one of the things that I, I had thought and tried to decide, you know, how I was going to keep myself on point to keep the speed up. So I didn't get what we call lazy in the car and some caravans blowing by me at, you know, 90 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Little kids waving at you. Hi! <laughs> He's almost fast. So what what do you do for that long in a vehicle? I mean, are you talking to mom? Uh, are you listening to, like, old old uh, cassettes? What? Well, if I was talking to my mom, I probably would have broke the 23-hour mark. <laughs> oh, don't kill me. <laughs> Um, yeah. So um, we do a little bit of everything. Being a solo run, you, you have to remember you got twice as many responsibilities, and that itself kind of keeps you mentally, you know, physically active. You know, even if it's just moving your eyes around, watching traffic, looking for officers, um, keeping an eye on your ways, keeping keeping in your mirrors, uh, keeping in touch with you know those those that are you know watching you and spotting you. Um, my brother was really a big part of this. He, he really sat up with me and, and he was, he was my eyes and ears. He would give me bullet points of where I needed to be hourly or how I'd fallen off or told me how bad I sucked the last hour. Um, <laughs> That's what brothers do. <laughs> They're good at that. Yeah, he, he, but he's a really good guy and, uh, he motivates me, you know, really well. We work together as a team, really, really, really good together. And so to ask you, to answer your question, it's a, it's a long, monotonous drive, and it's really hard to make exciting, even till I'm talking about the 25 hours. You know, there's things that happen along the line, but there's so much dead monotony on, on the run, <laughs> and, and you just forget about stretches of it. I mean, there's, there's stretches you just like, man, I, I know I did that stretch, but, you know, I don't really remember what happened there, because it's really kind of a blur. Yeah. So, so that was the other thing that's really extraordinary about this. Most everyone else who does one of these does it as part of a team. There's two or three guys in the car. One guy's driving. The other guy's watching everything that's going on. If there's a third guy, he's in the back and can 
replace either of the other two guys at any time. You did this by yourself. There's a certain insanity that goes along with that, Fred. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's been said, uh, I, I think, on uh, the Road and Track article they quoted as, I might be batshit crazy, but I'm not a liar. And <laughs> me, know that I'm a, I'm a little different than the average person you run into. And, and it's, it, the, the time to actually stay up, which a lot of people ask me about, really isn't a big deal to me. I'm... I'm a, a driver. I drive a lot. I haul stuff. I move stuff. I drive home. Uh, it's nothing for me to stay up 20 hours, sleep four, and drive 20 again. So the, the hourlies of actually being up was no real big deal to me. Uh, that, that really comes kind of natural to me. The, the part that it starts changing is, like we're talking about on the other side of the country, when you have law enforcement or you have issues where you feel like, you know, Maybe you're going to get pulled over or interactions with the law enforcement officers and, you know, things like that. You, your attention span kind of combines with um, sleep deprivation and adrenaline, and it kind of creates a paranoia. So a paranoia with me actually kind of, it kind of makes me more aware and more intent in, in that aspect. And when I had the, the run-in with the law enforcement at kind of after the um, – the uh, California stop, it kind of was like a, a kick in the pants, and it really kind of woke me up, and not woke me up, but I became twice as attentive as I felt I had been maybe over the last two or three hours. Right, sure. And, and another part of that is uh, the gadgetry. You know, somebody was asking me, you know, like the the gyroscoping binoculars, and I mean, I don't know what some of these people think. They think I'm driving down the road looking through binoculars. <laughs> I mean, you mean you're not? Come on, Batman. Yes, you are. <laughs> I mean, these like uh, uh, temperature-controlled scopes and stuff that these guys are using, they're, it's awesome equipment, but it's just not feasibly possible for one man to control all this stuff. It's just, it, it, you, you would have you wrecked going in the Lincoln Tunnel if you were trying to run all that stuff as one person. Um, <laughs> you did this run cheaper than anyone else in recent memory. Uh, tell us about the setup you use, the car, the electronics. Just give us a rundown of everything you had available to you. Well, really, it was kind of the cheapness of it kind of happened itself. I had gone through some cars and stuff and talked about them, and they just didn't fit the bill. I thought about doing a Hellcat. I had thought about uh, you know stepping down because of Hellcat issues and fuel mileage and then going to the Charger Scat Pack. And I even thought about a Ford Taurus police car. And it, at one point, I was just like, you know, man, you go and buy one of these cars. you got to keep it forever. you got to pay for it. You, and, you know, if you don't really like it or you don't really love it, you're kind of stuck with the thing. So at that point, I, I started looking you know, for a car that doing what I wanted to do by removing the seats and putting the fuel, fuel tanks in place and strategically placed. This wasn't some, you know, 250-gallon tank tied to the back bumper driving down the road um, they were actually strategically put throughout the car and burned off in an order that you know best supported the balance of the car uh, I burned off the, the the manufacturer's tank first and then I burned off the big 50 gallon bolt tank so the car really regained its balance more and more as the run went on and uh, try to keep the car itself in balance with everything removed and myself I was right at the edge of the GVWR of the car, full of fuel and me in it. And 
and uh, I mean, people don't don't realize they took out the the passenger seat and the rear seat and the spare tire and all the interior out of the trunk. But not only that, I also eliminated any passengers. So I was I was you know using these formulas as how I was going to choose my car, and the fact that the Mustang GT had you know really good horsepower uh, had had a good top speed, which the top speed was 30 miles an hour faster than the Audi. And uh, the, the car really just kind of fit everything I wanted to do. Obviously, you know, anybody that follows me and it's been said a thousand times, I'm a Ford guy, so it meant more to me to do it at Ford. So I chose the Ford Mustang because of all the stuff that it, it offered me, that there really was no negative to choosing the car. And I could rent one. That was probably the biggest reason. That I could actually go there. <laughs> you rented a Mustang and gutted it inside and fit it with auxiliary fuel tanks, albeit ones that would drain and maintain the balance. You yep. rented. I love this. Respectfully gutted, mind you. I, I, I love this. Fred, you're my new hero. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I, I went to the rental to pick the car up because I made a reservation for it. And I had a little bit of a Seinfeld episode happen. I uh, got to the counter and I said, my name's Fred Ashmore. I'm here to pick up the Mustang GT. And the guy starts rat-a-tat on his keyboard and he goes, uh, yeah, we don't have a Mustang GT. I said, what? I said, I reserved it two days ago. And he said, yeah, we, we let that go yesterday. I said, so this is like Seinfeld. You can take a reservation, but you can't hold the reservation. The guy kind of looks at me kind of confused. I was like, well, I reserved a car. He's like, how about a, a Chrysler 300? I'm like, I don't want a Chrysler 300. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, so I walked down. I walked down where I saw this silver Mustang GT, and the lady was kind of annoyed. I don't know if she was fighting with her boyfriend or what. And I asked her if she'd rent it to me, and she rented it to me for three hundred dollars less than the other company. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's like the cherry on top. <laughs> All right. So oh, it, it just kept getting better. You, you put auxiliary gas tanks in this. Certainly yep. that's not the only thing you did. No. No. I uh, needed to have a driving light on the front because people that have driven at high rates of speed, especially at night, know that you can easily outdrive your headlights. So I, I modified the front license plate bracket, and I put a um, 18-inch light bar underneath the front license plate bracket. <laughs> I slid the license plate bracket up, put the plate back on it, and I installed my ALP laser jammers um, on the front on the front by the grill and on the back by the trunk. And beyond that, a lot of the stuff inside once the tanks were plumbed was really kind of, you know, suction cups. Uh, the, the antenna magneted on the back and ran the cord in and it, it plugged into one of the auxiliary outlets and the fuel tank uh, pump ran off the cigarette lighter. And oh I... I Everything literally was just kind of plug and play. So <laughs> literally, I love literally. this. He, he, Fred could put together a kit. You could sell it on late night TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to talk to Ford Motor Company and see if they'll come up with a uh, a cannonball run kit for the Mustang. And the you don't have to put edition. it on your car; but it just comes in the box. Yeah, it has a disclaimer <laughs> on it. If you want. Ford Mustang yeah. not included. <laughs> the Mustang CB. How long did it take to put all this stuff in? Uh, it took me about. Two-ish days to build the car, get it all put together, and probably with putting the ALPs in it and getting all my stuff mounted, we're on probably around three days. So you're three days into the rental and it ain't started yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it started. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. just listening to well, Fred. I had to find the tanks. 
I had to go online and find the tanks that would fit in it. So, I mean, I thought three days was pretty good. No, that, that is actually pretty That's good. That's extraordinary. And listening to them, we're figuring out. This isn't the first <laughs> time you've done this kind of thing, is it, Fred? No, I, I'm kind of a, a veteran at doing this. And one of my last episodes I did was in my uh, uh, Galaxy, and that, that car... Uh, has a t- almost 200 gallon tank in it, and we did it nonstop from New York to LA. So it's not my first um, tanker experience. Which other runs do you have to your name? Um, starting with that one, uh, my first run actually was from Maine to New York to Los Angeles uh, nonstop by myself. That was 3,278 miles, and I did that in <laughs> around 49 hours. I did that drive. That's uh, still a long the- drive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. By myself with no sleep, it was uh, it was even longer. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, wow. I uh, I then built the Galaxy, which is basically a street legal stock car with no roll cage, and uh, <laughs> that car I had to cut, had to cut the roof off the night before I left because the fuel tank I had built for it wouldn't fit in the car. So <laughs> I cut the it's a cut the roof off. Put the, yeah, well, I cut the roof off, put the tank in it. And uh, ran up to Home Depot that night and put some floor paint on the roof with some spackles and roll roll gel coated the side of it. And we headed to New York. And that car is the first car that ever make it from New York to L.A. during an event without refueling. Oh my God, <laughs> that's extraordinary! Yeah. Wow. In, in addition and, to being a general traffic scofflaw, running from one side of the country to the other, uh, you've You've got uh, some other car-related passions, namely buying up car collections. Where Correct. do you find them? What do you do with them? Are you reselling these? Uh, tell, tell us about that. Well, the, my car collection thing, a gig kind of started here in the last several years. As my father got older, I didn't want to work on people's cars anymore because it just became a thankless endeavor. So I basically turned the family shop into a self-restoration facility. And... Um, so my dad can come in and work on his cars or I'll work on something for for a customer. And beyond that, what started happening is people started sourcing me, um, knowing that I knew cars in my area and said, hey, you know, my, my family's, you know, uncle or, you know, father or grandfather has passed away. And, and you know, we've got all these vehicles and, and we really, you know, don't know what to do with them. So that's kind of where it started. Um, and by word of mouth, you know, it's traveled around the country. I, I've gone you know, as far as to the West Coast to clean up cars and car parts and collections. And I've done several here in, in uh, Oklahoma area. But back home, I, I've cleaned up probably, you know, a dozen or two dozen different yards. And everything's for sale. But I, I get attached for, to it and for about 10 minutes, and then I find <laughs> it a new home. <laughs> <laughs> What's the coolest thing you've bought recently? Coolest thing I bought recently, I, I did buy my Cannonball Run car, the uh, 2019 Mustang. I did buy that. Uh, oh, cool! The other, the other cool car I bought just just last week. I was walking through a another collection I'm buying up actually, and um, I was there looking at some old Ford pickups. And everybody likes the old '50s Ford pickups, and there's some Chevrolets in there. And I walked by this old station wagon, and I asked the guy, I "said What are you gonna do with that?" And he says, "Geez, I'll sell that to you." Well, the neat thing about it, it was an all original 1970 uh, Plymouth. Fort Fury suburban wagon with a big block and a hood bubble on it. And uh, it's a really, really rare, cool station wagon with flip-up headlights and the, and the whole works. And I asked the guy, I says, what, what do you got to have for that? And he says, well, 
I think Scrap would get me about 200. You give me 200 for it? Oh my God, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so I gave the guy 200 bucks and I wound up with this Plymouth Sport Fury Suburban Hood Bubble uh, Station Wagon 9 Passenger. And uh, that was probably, you know, most recent coolest one. I, I picked up a lot of cool stuff over the last year. I've been very fortunate. I've, I've lucked out on Mopars. I'd tell him another story, but it would make him cry. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on, Tiger. I'm a tough man. I'm a tough man. <laughs> so I went on a cruise years years ago, and uh, on the way down there, a guy told me he had a 1973 446-pack uh, Roadrunner. And asked me if I was interested in it for fifteen hundred dollars. Oh my god, and please. Said, yeah. There you I'm go. interested in fifteen hundred dollars. So I called up a guy, I couldn't go up there and get in, told him to go pick it up. Well I got to the hospital where my, my girlfriend's uncle was and he called me back, my my buddy, and he said, Yeah. I went up there to get the car and he said, uh, I uh, offered him five hundred for it and he wouldn't take it. And I lost the car. <gasps> so and a friend. I was completely, <laughs> I was completely bummed out. All the stories, the story isn't over. So, uh, about six months later, I was looking for a new plow truck back in Maine, and I found one online. And I messaged the guy. I said, "I'd like to come and look at that truck this weekend." I said, uh, "What's your directions up to that place?" He says, "I'm the same guy with the Road Runner," and I'm like, "Oh man, I mean, this car's gone." And uh, I said, "I'm really sorry about that." I, I told the guy to come up and uh, just come up and pay you for the car and pick it up. And I said, uh, I'm sure it has a new home. He says, no, still sitting out back. Oh. I said, really? Mm. I said, well, how much do you want for it? And he says, if I can't get $600 for it, I'm going to crush it. <gasps> I drove up there, and I pull out around back. It's a 69 Roadrunner 446 pack complete, 100% <laughs> complete with everything. I paid the guy $600, put it on my trailer, and drove home. <laughs> and maybe even hugged him. Who cares uh-huh. about the plow truck at you're this a, point? You're a good man, sir. <laughs> oh my god! Didn't even haggle the price. <laughs> Didn't even, oh geez, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're a sport. You're special. <laughs> Fred, I almost hesitate to ask this question because I'm a little afraid of what the answer is going to be. But it's still my favorite question we ask everybody at the end of the interview. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? Oh, I got a great one for you. I read this, I read this question, and I, I kind of, it didn't take me long to figure this out. <laughs> Back when I was in high school, my uh, two buddies and I, we, you know, we, we weren't really well off, but my dad and I built a shop, and my dad worked on a lot of cars, and everybody in our local town was going to this place called Bar Harbor, where there was a big beach, and they were going there for a party that night. Well, none of us had a car, but I had a driver's license. So we snuck over to my dad's garage, and we were going to take my brother's Mustang. Ooh. But my brother was smart enough to take the keys and lock it up. But out back was a 1971 Olds 442 convertible. So, and it belonged to a customer. So, <laughs> no! <laughs> I took the customer's car for the weekend <laughs> and went down to the party. You totally Ferris Bueller'd him. <laughs> I totally Ferris Bueller'd him. So we took the car down and we raced, we raced a bunch of guys and then blew the doors <laughs> off. And this, this car with all three of us as goobers with no girlfriends in the front seat of it <laughs> was cruising around the tourist town. And I brought it back that night and uh, filled it up with gas and backed it right in. And my dad never even found out about it. Oh, my. Wow. Oh, wow. Until now, uh, let's hope your dad's not <laughs> listening. No, no, we were playing cards one night and I told him about it. 
And he looked at me, and he looked back at me, and he looked at me, and he looked back at me, and he goes, you know that car was broken in half, right? <laughs> what? Oh, my. <laughs> the, car, the car was broken in half, it rotted in half, and it was there to be welded back together. <laughs> oh, you picked out of all of the private choices the worst one then. You I can't are. imagine the smile yeah. on your dad's face as he told he, you that. He, he, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you you got to be the luckiest SOB walking. <laughs> oh, that's cool. We've been speaking with Fred Ashmore, the new cannonball run record holder and legitimate crazy individual. <laughs> you can find Sarah all of Fred's social media links on readthedriven.com. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt and Catfish Groves. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.